Brothers and sisters, our readings today speak to us about material wealth and accountability for that wealth. It may be tempting to dismiss or ignore these readings, as oftentimes we don't consider ourselves to be materialistically rich. However, as people living in 21st century America, we're among the most materially wealthy people to ever walk this planet. And this is true even for those in our country who are often considered poor. The amount of material resources that we have at our disposal is vastly greater than what over 95% of human beings throughout history have possessed. One of the great dangers for those who possess material wealth is that we can grow complacent. God, through the prophet Amos, addressed this complacency in the first reading, saying, Woe to the complacent in Zion. Friends, when we hear the word woe, a lot of times we hear it and it sounds like some kind of a cute little phrase. But the biblical woe is not a cute little phrase. It's a great curse. And therefore, it's not something that we should take lightly, especially when it comes from God himself. Amos tells the people of God that God has issued this woe because the people were indulging in gluttonous behavior. They were laying back in their ivory beds, enjoying large feasts, and had improvised music. But in the process of doing this, they failed to recognize and to address the moral decay that invaded their nation. Well, doesn't this sound a lot like our own times? We live in a society where we enjoy great luxuries. We can access the internet from virtually anywhere with our phones and tablets. We consume great, amount, great amounts of food and drink. We place a high priority on entertainment, much of which, like the music in David's time, is offensive to the gospel values that we are called to uphold. And as we do this, our country has gone into moral decline. Many of us really, uh, rarely pay attention to the situation of those around us who suffer in the world, those who are starving, those who are victims of violence. You know, how often do we look at the moral decay in our own society, evidenced by the legalization of abortion or illicit marriages or by the abuse of human sexuality? And how often do we look at these and do little more than pay them lip service? rather than being outraged at the situation. See, oftentimes, rather than being outraged, we've come to accept all of this as the status quo. And then we return to our internet-connected devices in order to move on with our lives. Friends, if we truly take the warning given by the prophet Amos seriously, we should be feeling very uncomfortable about now. This goes for me, too. And in fact, I find it a lot easier to preach a homily that's, you know, lighthearted and that everybody loves and I don't have to mention these challenging things. And I was even tempted as I was writing this homily to say, no, I'm not going to touch on these things because, Lord, I'm going to a new mass community and I want them to like me the first time that I meet them. And then I remembered that my job is not to make people like me. I, I tell this to the seminarians all the time. You know, my job is not make, to make them like me. My job 
is to bring people to love Christ and to help them follow Christ. And so I wouldn't be doing that if I didn't preach the gospel and talk about his commands. And it strikes me as we listen to the gospel from today and the command that he gives that Jesus is delivering the same message that God delivered to the prophet Amos. Jesus spoke of a rich man who had nice clothes and plenty of food to eat. Every day, sitting right outside his door, was a poor man named Lazarus. You know, it seems to me that this parable wasn't just addressed to the people in Jesus' day, but it's addressed to us. And this is true not simply because most of us have the luxuries of being able to go to Wegmans and purchasing virtually any food imaginable. It's true from the very mechanics of the parable itself. Jesus assigns a name to the poor man. He names him Lazarus. But the rich man has no name. It's as if the Lord is beckoning us to insert our own name for the rich man. So the parable would go something like this. There once was a man named Father Brian who had nice clothes and plenty of food. Lazarus, of course, is the one whom we ignore. He's the one who suffers while we sit at table and eat. He's the one whose dignity is disgraced as dogs lick his wounds while we're stretched out comfortably on our couches. In other words, Jesus' warning is the same warning that God delivered through the prophet Amos. If you don't wake up from your complacency, bad things will happen. In the first reading, God warned the people that they would be the first to go into exile and that their wanton revelry shall be done away with. In Jesus' parable, the rich man was sent to the netherworld, that is to say, into exile, where he was in torment. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that none of us wants to end up in torment in the netherworld. You know, as fun as the eternal torment sounds, Monty, I think I'll take behind what's, door, what's behind door number two. So what's behind door number two? Happiness. Eternal life with God. And of course that sounds great, but here's the catch. You don't get happiness simply by saying, I'll take, behind, take what's behind door number two. No, you obtain it by authentically living the Christian life. One aspect of that way of life that we're called to live is that we need to take care of our brothers and sisters. In fact, we see this theology present in the Eucharist. When we receive the Eucharist, we're united to Christ. And as people united to Christ, we are called to give our lives, as he did, for people who are victimized by the sinful powers that rule the world. We can't be complacent like the people of Zion who enjoyed their lives while the state of Joseph suffered. We can't overlook the poor sitting at our doorsteps while we dress in designer clothes and eat gourmet meals. The gospel calls us to a radical concern for others, especially those who have been unjustly oppressed. If we turn a blind eye to them, we'll end up like the rich man in the parable. If we sit comfortably on our couches while others suffer, we'll be the first to be exiled, and our wanton revelry will be done away with. So how are we to show this radical concern for others? Let me suggest that 
each of us begin by assessing how comfortable we've grown in our own lives. Let's ask if there's anything that I can do to help ease the burden of others whom I come in contact with. There's no shortage of charities looking for financial support. There's no shortage of agencies that are in need of volunteers. And certainly there's no shortage of prayer. As Christians, we're called to do not one, but all three of those things. We are called to give of our material resources, especially our excess. We are called to give of our time and our talents. And we're called to pray for all people. This week's gospel gives us a great opportunity to pause and to assess how well we're doing in those areas. We can ask this question individually and as a community. If you're doing well, be encouraged and continue to know that what you're doing is part of a mission given to you by God. If you've grown complacent or lazy, perhaps now is a good time to change. Ask yourself, who can benefit from my talents and my time? What material resources can I give to those in need? How can I incorporate others into my life of prayer? Now, there's no one right answer to those questions, but there is a wrong answer. The wrong answer is to become complacent. The wrong answer is to put it off. Don't wait for another sign. As Jesus says, you have the law and the prophets, and we also have the Christian, tradi the Christian tradition. So put your faith into action today. Brothers and sisters, peace to you and to all who act upon their faith.